Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Well, hey, girl, hey. Hey. So today, <laughs> we have a return visitor. I'm so excited. I know. A, a return Moxie partner. I absolutely love when we have return guests because they they just douse us with more of their wisdom. And we go, either we go into another direction in a, in a deeper way, or we go and we go deeper into the topic that we originally had. So um, I love that. I and love I love that. that it's a partnership. Like we are partnering with these people, locking arms and doing the work. And I think when we do that, even though we do our work very differently, it's still part of that tapestry I'm always talking about. We're connected and we're we're covering the subject and the people that need it. And it just seems so impactful. So without further ado, welcome back to the show, Leisha Michelle Zegas. So excited, yeah, girl. <laughs> And Lisa is one of our grief experts here. We've got a couple and they Mm kind of work in Mm -hmm. different ways. And so that's important. But today we're not talking about death per se. We are going Mm -hmm. to talk about, brace yourselves, when things don't look like we expected. Or planned. Or planned. Especially in midlife, because I think this is a season where a lot of things can end in upheavals. So Lisa Michelle is one of our midlife partners and we love having her. We're hoping she's going to come to our first meetup and she just brings a special kind of wisdom to these topics. And she was a a quick yes when we asked her to come back. So Lisa Michelle, um, we hope you're doing well. Yes, ma'am. I am excited about the conversation today. This is the This is an aspect of grief I'm very excited about because whatever goes unnoticed, right, um, goes unattended. And whatever goes unattended goes unhealed. And since my heartbeat is for women to be seen and heard and healed, particularly by themselves. Mm. Yeah. What goes unnoticed. But we can only be for one another what we are to our beautiful selves. So I'm excited to be here. Well, let's, uh, let's just take a look and healed. Wow. Yes. And let's just, let's just take a minute. Can you, um, say that quote again? Because I really think that, you know, especially for the people that are driving in their cars right now, I'm like, wait, 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 see that one more time. And we write one more time. Tell the truth. Yeah. And we write slow. It's true story. True story. I was over here like, Slowly, slowly. Slowly. All right. So whatever in our lives goes unnoticed, Mm -hmm. that goes unattended. And whatever goes unattended goes unhealed. And a lot of our grief lives, I mean, I'm adding to it now, but a lot of the grief lives in things we never even knew to notice as grief. Mm-hmm. And so then, of course, it doesn't get addressed as grief and it doesn't get healed. And 
if you're like most women, instead it gets a lot of judgment. And that's we like don't the give it those names. Feeling. We don't, and we don't understand that grief is actually what's happening. And I've watched that exactly. with some of my friends lately that I had to look them in the eye and say, You are grieving the yeah. loss of what you expected, what you had, what you mm-hmm. thought would happen. But before we go that far, because everyone yes. may have not caught your last episode. And Christina, while we're doing that, will you look up what that episode number was? I did not do that in preparation. I'm so sorry. But um, for you becoming an expert on grief, a lot of that developed out of your own grief. And yes. we want to talk about when life doesn't look like we expected or planned, but you, <laughs> your life has looked nothing like you expected or planned, mm-hmm. right? So tell That's us right. about that. Well, give so us the cliff notes. I'll I'll start with just ending a marriage after 23 years. And also it's only pertinent to say that I was married to a pastor to say that it wasn't just my marriage. It was a way that I saw myself as being used in the world. It was the partnership I thought for my family. It was like I was on mission for Jesus. It's a way of life. <laughs> And that, a whole way of life. And that took a, that, that was a radical difference. I had expectations for what I would be as a mother, mm. who I would be to my kids, how they would think about me and, and grieve that loss. Um, that my fiance died. I got, I got after the divorce, I got engaged to someone um, and, and he died suddenly in a motorcycle accident. So of course that was lost. But the thing is, in the grief work that I do, you know what I found out, you guys? So much of my grief was carried in a bigger container. Like, I think every one of us comes into the world and, and you know, my, my personal uh, worldview is that we're made in the image of God. We know that we're worthy of love and belonging and acceptance. And we just like intuit that from our being. And, and we, so I came into the world and I wasn't born into a two-parent family and I never met my biological father. I didn't know that we could grieve something we never had. But mm. his absence became the container of like what I thought about myself and what I was, because I, we as kids, we want mama and daddy to be perfect. And mom and dad do not have to be like horrible for us to have grief. Like, like I'm a loud woman, right? And, and part of me needs love and acceptance in those loud parts of me and constantly being asked to be quiet and being told, can you just tap it down? We're right here and you're too much. Well, I needed some love in those places. So I learned early on to reject those parts of me. I also needed there to be something wrong with me to make sense of the fact that I was the one growing up without a daddy. You know, like there was, and so doing- We attach stories to, to it. Space. We decide huh? what that loss, we decide what that means. You know, we attach stories and the stories are not always true. stories until we've got a thinking brain. So what I want your listeners, our listeners to know is we have an emotional sensation of that way before the prefrontal cortex is developed and wow. we could even make a story. We've been practicing before that time for seven years, feeling a certain emotional state. And then we come and put a lens or a story on it. 
Mm. And all we're trying to do with that story is validate the way we already feel. Mm-hmm. Just trying to make wow. sense of the world. Mm-hmm. So the w- way we talk about creating stories, it's in some ways misleading because it leaves out the emotional foundation of us precious people. Mm. Oh, goodness. Goodness, goodness. The now, pre-story. Your divorce <laughs> also led to, wow. led to some complications in your relationships with your children. And I'm only Absolutely. bringing that up because, you know, midlife, it, it seems to bring a lots of opportunities and changes. And some of those are yes. not what we would desire. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that happens in midlife a lot of times is a change in our relationship with our children as they become adults. They may not be behaving as we would have chosen them to and raised them to. We may not we may have some broken relationship for a while, even if there's not a divorce. Um, you know, there's changing relationships with our friends because if our little kids aren't in school together anymore and we don't have that connection, we may not be as connected. We have changing relationships with our spouses. And so I know for me, some of those changes have been painful. Like um, my older child wouldn't mind me telling his story of, for years, he was a little bit estranged from us. It kind of went off on his own and he circled back now. And it really wasn't anything we did, but it was painful. And it was something I didn't expect. I, You know, we all, I'm not going to say all, but I had these visions of my children. Oh, they're going to graduate from high school. I'm going to throw the biggest party. I was designing the invitations in my mind and neither one of them has decided to walk at graduation. And, you know, it's hard when that's their life and their decisions, but mama had plans. And from the moment that baby was in the womb and he's biting on your nipple and throwing up on you, you think the payoff (laughs) one day is going to be celebrations, the best grandbabies ever, and this amazing abiding relationship with them as adults. And when that doesn't happen, it can be so sad and especially when you see your friends on Facebook posting about their wedding, the grandbaby, the master's degree the, 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 with their children. So those are the kind of things I want to address today is like, you know, yeah. our marriage may break up. Our children may not do what we expect. Our, our job may come to an end as we get in midlife and we've attached a lot of identity to that. So I just want to throw some of those out there so people are like, what are you talking about? These are the kind of things I'm talking about. So you said something before we hit record that I really want to make sure we talk about is this accumulation of things, accumulation of grief, and I think probably fair to say an accumulation of emotion and feelings. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit in light of all these things that might be going on with us in old age, including changes to our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one thing I don't want to forget to talk about. And that's because you mentioned as midlife women, right? There may be a change in this. There may be a change in that. There may be a change in this. Change is the perfect um, setting for grief to emerge because our grief always emerges when the normal of life, right? Like how we're expecting, how we're doing life, when that shifts, that exposes our grief. And it can be in little shifts or big shifts. Um, So how that's pertinent is what you were talking about, Gail, our grief that goes unseen 
and unattended goes unhealed, right? So what happens to it? It accumulates in our precious bodies. But let me ask <laughs> you a question about energetically. that. Energetically. Yeah. Just because, and I'm going to be an interrupter. I know I am. But you I just want to be clear as they're following along. <laughs> the grief doesn't have to be in the same category, if I'm understanding you correctly. Not it at could be. all. Okay. Because it might, it doesn't necessarily mean you've experienced 27 deaths or 27 nope. mental, uh, medical illnesses. <laughs> it can be from any category and that all accumulates. Any Is that category. what you're saying? So, so, so also too, like when people do suffer, cause you know, you know that I just lost my dad and, um, I think, it, I guess my question is, is there different types of grief? You know, like there's, there's this grief that we're talking about today. And then there was, we're talking about the grief of loss in episode 11, you know, so th- th- there is loss in both places, but they look different. So does the ugly head of grief show up the same way too? Because, you know, sometimes when you're talking to somebody who has lost somebody and you're like, well, I had a marriage and, you know, I got divorced. They're like, not the same, not the same. (laughs) Red flag, red flag. So Perfect. Okay. So I'm going to approach the answer to that question from a couple different angles. Okay, great. When someone has lost a loved one, a person has gone from this life. You don't get to be with them, touch them, have the same experience. And another person seeks to relate to that pain from a divorce or whatever other type of grief. It can feel for the person that's lost a loved one, completely dismissive, like because there is something that happens in a death, even the way that our body responds, Mm, like the the way that we might not be able to sleep, not might not be able to eat, like everything feels like it comes in. But this is what I want the person who's lost a loved one to know. So I'll just speak directly to you. Would that be okay, Christina? Yeah, sure. You in your experience are like, I'm grieving my father. Yes, and Christina, this awakens your body mm-hmm. <laughs> to the grief that you've been carrying. Okay. It's far beyond just the relationship with your dad, right? So yeah. within the relationship of your dad, that relationship has a lot of its own grief. Okay. So, okay. so separate from just him dying, it has to do with what Christina needed from him as a dad, that for whatever reason, he doesn't have to be bad, wrong, anything that you didn't get. Maybe Mm -hmm. some desires. And this relates to what Gail was talking about. Desires you had to have with your daddy Mm -hmm. that because he's gone, don't get to be realized. Like, so there's a lot of grief that comes up just in the relationship that's far beyond the death and Mm. you're not prepared for because Mm. you're human And you tend to try to shut down or tap down because um, there's this weird thing where you almost think you can hurt the dead. And so we've got this way. We've all seen it where you only say the good stuff about them. Mm. But what it does is it keeps your grief unattended because, again, it can't be noticed because we got to revere the dead. But it doesn't just bring up the grief that you've carried from that relationship. It brings up other losses that tap into that same emotional dynamic. Mm -hmm. 
So mm-hmm. often you're sorting through things that are, are far beyond the loss of your dad. Mm. Right? Now, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I, I and, mean. Keep going. Uh, well, and and I say this because, you know, I, I look at, I was never married to my son's father, but when he started having children with his wife, it was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this it is like, up. it was, exactly. so, oh my gosh, I was so uncomfortable. And it's so, it's so crazy to say that, but it just brought up all these emotions like, whoa, that's finality for us. You know, and like see, it wasn't crazy to say it, but we live in a culture that doesn't make room for it. And mm-hmm. so we don't need, know to make room for ourselves in it. Right. And so we end up judging. So like going back to like Gail's thing about how you expected your kids and celebrating the different um, life events and these kinds of things. I'm going to put words into your mouth, Gail, but they're not really your words. I'm just using it for a stage. And then... um is is like Gail might have these thoughts and then quickly squash them down and say, this is petty, like judge herself in some kind of way so that her heart doesn't actually just get to be witnessed and experience the light of love and belonging and mm. acceptance, which is what we all need to heal. But we think... Well, if I minimize it, if I make it small, if I push it away, well, think about it. We do that over a lifetime with all of our little disappointments about how things didn't go. And then some loss. And, you know, we tend to categorize losses like a big loss, a small loss. The thing is, something that could seem insignificant to us could be the very thing that awakens us to, Gail, how did you say it before we hit record of like, my working it out. I can't, I don't have another solving the problem in me. I ran out of handle it. My bucket of handle it ran out. And it didn't matter if I was reaching into the bucket for a spoonful or a cupful, there was no more. So it didn't matter how large or small the newest thing was, the bucket was freaking empty. But okay, Mm -hmm. I've got three things swirling around. One, I want to go back to when Christina was talking about (laughs) the grief. Um, I just want to make oh, sure I know. I've got I saw, this right. I saw her whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, because her I eyes to just hug lit up. Because I knew, <laughs> I knew, I knew that was hitting some places for you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let me see if I can get all this. To me, it sounds like grief are little bricks in a wall. And it can mm. be a small loss or a large loss, a small brick or a large brick, but it really doesn't matter. They all build the wall. And when the the last piece might be a tiny pebble, not a huge boulder. It, am I correct in that part? That is a beautiful analogy. And just imagine with your, my bucket of handle it ran out. So let's just pretend that it was a little tiny pebble that, that brought that wall down. And, and Gail or any other woman's focus is going to be on that pedal pebble. And now she's judging and accusing herself that a pebble, like what the, you know, and all the what's wrong with me is and all the, and not even realizing girlfriend, beautiful woman, you were carrying a whole big gigantic wall. The pebble it was just the breaking. Yeah, it was the breaking point. point. Mm -hmm. It was the breaking point. Wow. Let me go back to something else you said. (laughs) 
you know, untreated, undealt with, because I think of something that happens in midlife that makes some of the grief unusual. And I think there are other seasons that we have similar things that can happen that we don't have a preformed outlet for it. it, uh, You may have some better language for this. I'm thinking about when we have a death, people expect you to grieve. They know Mm -hmm. you're upset. They know there's a loss. They're sensitive to you, all these things. For a couple but, weeks, yes, right? Yes, and then and then it goes goes dark. Everybody's like, yeah. "Oh, we've moved on." And, and I'm like, the most, they're gone." Right? Yes. Right? Yes. What? What is that? Like, we need to be better at that because like, we just going with our lives. Better at let's that. circle back to that because I, 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 there's this big thing here that's hanging for me that there are certain losses, certain things we grieve that we do not that do not come up. Blah, 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 blah. Let me get this. Up. They don't come with an automatic acknowledgement from other people. They don't come with an automatic, with automatic empathy or even other people knowing. For instance, you have a baby, you start to find out there's some, you may run some tests and there may be a problem with your baby. And all these people are celebrating their healthy, healthy babies. They're, oh, he mm-hmm. walked, he mm-hmm. took his SAT at, you know, three years old and he's going to Harvard, you know. <laughs> Those kind of comparatives. And then, you know, there's those times when, you know, you have your 10-year anniversary, everybody else has their 10-year anniversary, and you've just found out your husband's having an affair, but your friends are Mm -hmm. going to Paris, you know. Then when we roll into midlife, I think there's a lot of things that can be going on. The the people are our children marry, how our husbands, how our body feels. And those things don't come with automated empathy. They're not things that others will even always know about or know how to react to us. And some of them are so deep, so private, that we don't have an ability to even share with others. Like, it's hard to say, oh, I know your son's having this lavish wedding down on the coast next weekend. Mine's shacked up with his girlfriend acting like an idiot. You know, you (laughs) you don't have those discussions where you can say, oh, my mom died. Some things we can't discuss because we're protecting our children or it's just inappropriate. And nobody comes and says, Mm -hmm. even when they say, how's your child doing? They're not expecting the really great. If they ask you how your husband is, they're not expecting you to really talk about the shitty place your marriage is in. And so I feel like, am I explaining myself of what I'm talking about here? That they're just, we don't have a natural outlet for dealing with that like we do some other forms of grief. And I well, think that well, gets very complicated. Do you think too, because here's the, here's what I think when you're saying all those things, Gail, and Lisa, Michelle, you can jump in here at any time. But I think, well, what are people going to think of my kid or my husband or myself for being in these situations? Like, I just mm-hmm. feel like there has to be a safe place for me to. Um, and we allow haven't created people. those for our friends, yeah. for our women, right. for midlife women to talk about. Well, because I feel like they'll judge. Of course. And they will, you know, based they, on their filters. They will until. Their own pain (laughs) goes witnessed and attended and healed. And and I want to be careful, right? It's not like we just get all the way, you know, there's not an arrival in this life. We don't get out of the human journey. Okay. But that's why um, if I had a clarion call 
it would be to say that we are all carrying an enormous amount of grief. Mm -hmm. Everyone, period. When we, so I'd like to identify grief, right? And we're, all that we're talking about today is, is bringing a spotlight. It's like turning up the lights on. It's always been there, but we're just taking that dimmer switch and turning it up so people can see, yes, 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 I'm carrying grief. Now, to create safe spaces, we become a safe space within ourselves for our own grief. And here's what I mean by that. Ladies, every single one of us has this judge that is not us, but lives in us. And I don't care what we go through. We get criticized for within ourselves for mm. every emotion or response we have to something. And we try to intellectualize ourselves into being better. Right. But without the holding or the witness of the pain that we're carrying, then you know why, Gail, I can be with a woman who I don't care what she's going through and not only have empathy for her, but turn on the light so she can see all that she's carrying and be with herself even just a little bit more gently is because it's learning to go through that process ourselves. But mm. while we're busy ignoring every damn thing we experience, if I dismiss me, I dismiss you. Well, and the whole so, suck it up the buttercup way to thing. you is to include me. Go again, mm. Gail, the, I missed it. The whole suck it up buttercup. I mean, we tell ourselves that these things aren't big enough to require attention from ourselves or others, but that can be incredibly painful. Like, Another Absolutely. example, think of the woman who was planning this great retirement with her husband. The finances were in order and they go through a divorce and she's left in a less than optimal financial position as a midlife woman. And so now her beach house is now turned into, can I afford to pay my bills into old age? You know, it, there's so many things that we can have loss at and that don't look like they expected it to. Um, or he's run off with a new wife and now you're over here going through menopause and he's dating Barbie. That feels a certain way. There's a certain loss to the life Absolutely. you had. Not Even Absolutely. if the joker left, you know, that loss. Even I remember when I went through my first, the end of my first marriage and um, I did not want to be married to him anymore, but I did grieve the loss of the home I had built, 10 right. years of my All life. Of so how do we acknowledge that these types of grief and loss and unmet expectations have, let me back up and say, if I understand you correctly, they have an impact. They absolutely have an impact. And an accumulated impact. And an accumulated impact. Absolutely. So by mm. the time we get to midlife, the load could be heavy. Uh, and most of the time is incredibly heavy. And this is like anything else. It's, it's become normal to us, right? You just, it, it, it's like the, the, the frog in the pot, right? Like you just turn it up ever so gradually. And the next thing you're freaking boiling the frog to death. Well, and this is just humanity in general, where it's adding a pebble, adding a pebble, adding a rock, whatever it is. And the next thing you know, you're weighted down. And really, I want you to think energetically, you really are carrying that. The density of what you're carrying that hasn't been processed, your body feels it as though you were loaded down 
with a ginormous, you know, not just backpack, but whatever those big ones are that, you know, you're going out for a week into the woods and, and it's become your normal until, how did you say buckle, bucket, handle it? I'm, I'm out of my, my, my bucket of handle it has run out. Handle it. Yes. And, and that every woman at some point experiences my buckets out of handle it. And what's so devastating is most women, by the time they get there, they, they're not, they're still trying to handle it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. They're not even experiencing the grief of what they're actually, you know what I mean? It's like, we're also trying to hide it. Oh yes. And, and I really wish, and this is this is maybe even another podcast, but the things that we're trying to hide, particularly like in our marriages and stuff like that, because women, we're awesome. Our men don't know how to be with us in the way that we are with each other. And the reason is because they're not women. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they're not going to become women. So we, we carry and build each other up so freaking amazing. But you know where we really need one another? is in those dark spots that we're not, and and all it takes, I guarantee you this, ladies, you reveal that one thing you're not willing to tell your girlfriends, ah, nine times out of the 10, that's where the safety's built because the girlfriend says me too, some version of me too. You know what I've seen too, that when you have groups of friends or groups of, you know, people, women especially, and we get somewhere, it only takes one person to rip off her Band-Aid and everybody Absolutely. else exactly it has it. a, it has a, Next you know, an effect. You know. mm-hmm. It's like contagious that, but it takes that one person to be brave and do it when everybody else is sitting mm-hmm. there like their life is shiny great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes that one mm-hmm. person to have the courage to say, you know what, things aren't great for me right now. This is what I'm experiencing. But it's so not... I think what's so hard is I think there's got to be some kind of proportional effect between the amount of expectation, how high the expectation was, how long the expectation existed to the amount of loss it feels like. Am I wrong there? Well, I would say to quantify it exactly like that is is maybe a little hard to try to characterize it because just think about the story I opened with about what I needed as a little girl in terms Mm -hmm. of a daddy and being witnessed and being loved. I didn't even know. I didn't even know how big that expectation was. Like, like it's primal. It Mm. is. It's this idea of being, you're right. That's not something you, and yet it characterized my life more than probably any other event. Um, and yet I didn't even know to attend it. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't even know that I had expectation around it. Maybe that's the way it's like, and yet the, the I think that happens with a lot of cellular level. We don't Hmm. realize the expectation we've set up until it's unmet. Like, you know, with a marriage or our kids or retirement. Some of these expectations So I guess that's what I would want to say, Gail, is like the retirement example you gave. What if that very same woman had so many unmet expectations, even at a primal level, and it it builds and it builds and it builds, and all of it gets 
what do you call it? Like the, the central focus becomes that husband, either that, you know, or the retirement that was, whatever it is that becomes the focus, but it's not actually just like the pebble becoming the focus on your wall analogy. Yes, it's the focus, but when you go to work on that pebble, you find out there's a lot of bricks in the wall. Well, it's so funny um, that you say that. My my therapist describes it as the, um, you know, how the Titanic hit the iceberg. So the iceberg is what they could see. They could see the tip. They could only see the tip. They couldn't see what was down below. And what was down below was all the messiness of, you know, why it occurred the way it occurred. And so that's what I hear you saying is that we can only see this top part, that that last pebble Mm -hmm. that was put on our wall and it made our wall come crumbling down. And we're going to blame that. We're going to blame that little tip of that iceberg. Right. But the reality is is it's not that. And I want to go back to to, us sharing and, and holding space for each other when we are in, I call it the swirl. And a few years back, I was in a really bad swirl and and I don't know if a lot of people do this but I do this because I'm such a you know high energy or just always cheerful or always optimistic about certain things. I didn't want to bring people down. I didn't want to bring my friends down with what I was going through because I was like yes, especially well, if things are, gonna... are going well for yeah. them. You don't want to be the one who says Oh, well, you're having a wedding. Yeah. Like, what do you do with that? What do you do? I I just got a picture and I'm hoping this is going to, going to be beneficial. Imagine you're, you're cleaning the kitchen by yourself and all your girlfriends are in there partying, right? Now imagine you invite all those chicas into the kitchen and it becomes a cleaning party. And you get all the energy and all, you don't, you actually haven't brought them down. You've allowed a fuller experience. You know how fun it is to clean with, well, maybe not for everybody, but a shared <laughs> burden. Mm. It's so much lighter. And now it's not the same kind of burden for anybody because it's shared. But I think sometimes we as women think we're, t- we're we feel guilty to spray our mess on someone else. And I think it's just a thought error. Like we think we're, we're, what if we thought I am giving other people permission to be, we talk about authenticity. Mm -hmm. If we're not authentic with what we're carrying, then all that authenticity is some bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. I think you're so right. And, And the other side of that coin is like I had a friend who lost a spouse recently and she always apologizes after she shares with me. <laughs> she thinks heart? it's unloading or dump. She's like, I'm so sorry. I was dumping you. It is an I do the absolute same thing. joy to be able to be yoked mm-hmm. with her because mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do to take away her pain. So if, uh, if I get the honor to help carry that just by her saying it and me listening to it, if that somehow upholds her, strengthens her, does anything for her is absolutely my joy and pleasure to do it. And you feel more connected to yourself. You, Gail, feel more connected to your values. You know, one of the things that we look for in life to abate suffering is is meaning 
in our life. Mm-hmm. So you know that you've been in a shared space where it was meaningful. Yes, because I want to like do you something. You leave feeling better. I want to do something mm-hmm. meaningful for her and you don't know what it is. So when that happens and you're able to be there and listen, you're like, oh, yes, thank you. Thank you for letting me do something and be something. And it's, I just want people to get that. So many times when we share, people are honored in the sharing. Now, we're not talking to be a whiny Wendy. That's not what we're talking about. That whiny Wendy needs to have <laughs> so. a whiny Wendy. <laughs> Hi friends, Christina here with Midlife Moxie, and I want to tell you about Celebrate Me. It's the first totally customizable registry service that lets you add gifts from across the internet for any occasion, created by a woman for women who deserve to be celebrated, which is like all of us. Why do you have to wait to get married or have a baby to tell people what kind of gift you want? We're out here celebrating birthdays and holidays, anniversaries, and all of the other special occasions without giving anyone guidance. So today, visit CelebrateMeRegistry.com and create your totally free registry for any occasion, like menopause or just because. That's CelebrateMeRegistry.com. Hey, Christina, it's Gail. I've got a question I've got to ask you. All right, what's up? How's your mojo? Oh, my mojo's not that great lately. You know, this menopause thing can really cause a hit on our mojo, don't you think? Yes, totally. Between the hot flashes, the wrinkles, the hair loss. If there were only some products that were especially meant for us as menopause women, that'd be amazing, don't you think? Yes, it would be awesome. Well, guess what? I just heard about some new products. I received them from Mojo Wellbeing, and they are amazing. They have serums for that wrinkly skin. They have a hot flash cooling spray, and they even have a brand new hair growth serum because I didn't even know that hair loss was a part of menopause. Oh my gosh. And so I'm super excited to hear that there's companies doing something about this and that they're hearing our needs. You know, we talk about that a lot here on Midlife Moxie. So guys, go over to mojowellbeing.com. That's mojo, M-O-J-O, wellbeing.com. And use the code MOXIE15 to save on any of these great products designed especially for menopause age women. friends, it's the Sassy Massey here with Midlife Moxie, and I have a special for you, the Buff Muff app. Have you ever wondered like how to get that tight vagina or, you know, what's going on with my vagina or why is it dripping? Well, Kim Vopney, the vagina coach, has an amazing app. It's called the Buff Muff app, and she will tell you the ins and the outs of your vagina. So go on and get it today at your latest and greatest app store. Bye. Here's my net. Here's the million dollar question, LMZ, as we call you affectionately. 
a confection. What is wrong with my words today? Affectionately. I don't know. Since COVID, I cannot even, I'm telling you, I messed up. It's going to take a while. I want to know the tips or advice you have for helping us to accept the realities of our lives and see it, because I know you do this. You take realities that could be negative and you see that they could be a blessing. I've heard you do this. I've seen you do this. How do we flip that switch? How do we talk ourselves off the cliff? How do we make it okay that expectation and reality have not aligned? That's Hmm. a lot, I know. But we we know you're going to help us because that's what we need some help (laughs) over here, Lisa. Bring it. (gasps) I know. I definitely no pressure. Uh, leave it to Gail to give a whopping. Okay. The very first thing is like what you've seen me do, Gail. Um, I guess there's a few different approaches. I want to be careful. It's not like it's such a narrow road on a cliff that you've got to do it just some way. But these things, one way, these things need to be present. We need to find a place of love, belonging, and acceptance. And we need to find that, um, like, in other words, we need to recognize that the inner judge is not you. It's not me. So I can address that inner judge. And um, as as like a third party, sometimes I do it in a, in a more tender way. I I'm like, okay, you don't feel safe, so you want to judge me. What do you need to feel safe? Like we we need to mm-hmm. find a way to be with ourselves in tenderness and to also have a community of tenderness. The most common mistake, um, if I could call it a mistake, that I see around any kind of grief navigation is to minimize our suffering, apologize for our emotions, like anything that makes it where uh, we don't get to be seen in the fullness that would we would want to witness another person, we need to be allowed to exist in all of it. And that's, that's an inside job, but it often doesn't happen for people without an outside mm-hmm. guide or person or helper, right? Because we're so conditioned in a different way to dismiss ourselves, to judge ourselves. It's the most common thing we see other people do. And then we do it to ourselves and we're, so we need that safety. Safety is huge. We need to pay attention to what we've done, um, what we've been through rather. And then we can look for the gifts in what's occurred, but to look for the gifts as a way to circumvent our pain or ignore our pain, it actually backfires. It's like um, when we try to fast track it by ignoring ourselves, it's like we basically um, make sure that those emotions are coming out and they're not coming out pretty. They're coming out more explosive. Mm. Okay, let me make sure I understand this one. That was a deep one. What you're saying is basically the blessing does not take the place of the pain or negate the pain. Listen up, Christian people in every church across the world. Do not try to bless someone's pain away. Do not. I repeat, 
literally be with the pain. There are blessings that will come, but you don't get to shortcut it with a Bible verse. Or for people that are not Christian mm, people, you don't get to mm, shortcut it Ooh. with intellectual truth. Look at when, when Chip Ooh. died. Um, that invalidates pain someone's pain. Yes. You don't come and say, hey, you're going to meet someone new in when that person's not there. I did meet someone new. I met someone new right away, uh, relatively speaking, but that is not, or, oh, you had an amazing time together after a woman gets to, oh, oh, well, at least you got your children. No, no, no. You're just trying to. You're trying to do, do a platitude. That? You're trying to do well, a platitude on what I'm trying to. Well, it's not at all. We feel better, and we think we're going to mm-hmm. make the other person right. feel better. It's not always right. with malice. We're just navigating. We want to take away people's help. pain. We, we want wanna... to rub a salve on it. But what, if I understand you clearly, you're saying the pain exists beside the blessing, or the blessing exists beside the pain, not in place of the pain. Correct. Are you holding amen. your hand up? We can't see. Exactly. Oh, she's amen in this over there. She's, yeah. she's, um, are you Pentecostal? Maybe Lisa so. Michelle, you hold those hands up yes. in the air. That's, that's, yes. that's a big thought. We, and if we try to just whitewash it with the blessing and we don't tend to the pain, because like my second we've marriage, them and we've just messed us. My second mm-hmm. marriage has brought me such joy and Dan is definitely my person, but that doesn't take away the pain that went on in the first marriage. So I, oh man, this is a, Ooh, this is a mic dropper girl. You have brought us something big right there. Okay. Keep going. And even for Christina circling back to her story about when, um, the man that she had her first son with, when he got married and started having babies, see what, what, what someone in that situation will do is say, well, I don't want to be married to him. So I'm not allowed to have pain. Yeah. And right. So, but, so it's like, no, 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 I'm allowed to experience the pain and the finality and what, what I'm experiencing in my body. And it does not mean, doesn't take anything away from the current joy or blessing. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just, we, we, we're so big. Yeah. And we try to exist so small. You yeah. exemplify that so well. Because I watch you on social media and you talk about your husband that you lost. Your fiance, I'm sorry, that you lost. And that's no thread mm-hmm. to your current husband. And that's so mm-hmm. beautiful and such a testament to honoring the pain, but honoring the future and the blessing. And we as women, is that what happens? We we are afraid of how that's going to come across now that we can't even deal with our pain properly. I mean, I'm easily seeing as you talk how we as women wind up with truckloads of pain or a backpack Mm -hmm. that we're carrying around because of guilt and shame and all the things. Oh gosh. Keep going with the, okay. I think that was number one. More changes in midlife ladies. Like you know, Gail, when you, when we started this, you talked about the changes in our body, the Mm -hmm. changes in our relationship, the changes in our income, the changes in our career, like the change in our dynamic with our kiddos. Then they bring new people into our lives. And then we're navigating the change. And puppies. And we have the change. 
Yes, we and have then, dogs now. And at the yes, same time, we're probably I'm, saying goodbye to our parents, our beloved aunts. Mm-hmm. And it, yes. gosh, it's a lot. And, and so it's all and every single, but I have, I have a different relationship with grief now. I love grief. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is not that I love everything that opens me up to be with myself in a more genuine way and to create the kind of community that I've longed for my whole life. Do you know now I get to create that, but you know what made this happen for me? Navigating grief. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. now I recognize, look, to be able to be with people that are hurting because we all are and to create... One of my former clients said to me, she came back um, and she's a friend. So it's, um, but she came back and she said, it is amazing what has opened up to me in life since I've stopped trying to avoid being in pain. Oh my goodness. That's, that's one of our things, especially if you're Enneagram Tap 7, that's your very core being. Is to, but it is your for a seven, the pathway to the greatest expression of themselves is to traverse pain for the seven in particular. Well, Lisa, when you're talking about midlife and all this accumulated grief and pain, disappointment, unmet expectations, plus the hormonal changes and just all the actual loss, is that why so many women find themselves? suffering from anxiety and uh, mood disorders in midlife? I am not a doctor. I will just tell you my opinion. You play one on Instagram. If I were to, no, and, and there are, there is some scientific evidence behind this, right? But I'm, I do not feel uh, equipped to give that. What I would say is so much that occurs in our body in midlife. <sighs> It's like our grief always finds a way out. So anxiety is a super common way that it finds its way out. Constipation is a way that it finds its way out. Yes. I mean, body aches. There is so much. Uh, welcome welcome to my world, Lisa. Constipation and body aches. Get yeah, excited. It- I mean, well, she means literally it, too. We're trying to hold it. <laughs> we're yeah. trying Lisa, to hold it all. I see people in midlife that are for the first time having the need for anti-anxiety medications, antidepressants, mm-hmm. therapeutic treatment that have made it to 50 years old and never felt the need to have those things and now feel almost dependent on them. That that has to show that something is happening here and it's not a cultural thing. Now, I'm just going to say this right, right in midlife moxie podcast at gmail.com. I, I will take it. The millennials look at mental illness and mental treatment differently than we did. So they're getting, they're very in touch with all their diagnoses. So I, I don't mean that in any disrespect, but we as midlifers, Gen X, we were the suck it up buttercup. Like my mother, when I didn't want to do something or was having a bad day, she did not offer me therapy. She offered me to get it together, get my butt whooped or figure it out. I mean, we -hmm. were talking this weekend about some of the things my mom said over the years. It's not a wonder that I'm not more screwed up than I am because um, uh, my brother, even he would come up with some I'd forgotten like 
you didn't like what we're having for dinner, well, don't eat. Yep. Uh, oh, if yeah. We, that if was we had a, a concern about house. something not being good for us or harming us, well, it hadn't hurt you yet. It hadn't yep. hurt you yet. It seemed just fine to me. Or you'll get over it. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You'll get over it. I mean, these, my mother was the most logical, stoic human that ever existed. And you were never going to get to that woman with tears or cries of pain or anything like that. She would just tell you, it'll be fine. You know, it'll be fine. And I think a lot of us Gen Xers grew up with those kind of parents. What they had lived through in war times and um, their parents grew up in the Depression and all the things they had seen led them to be those type of people. And they parlayed that on to us. So we, our first nod in our 20s was not to get a therapist. I mean, that was embarrassing. Now the millennials wear it like a badge of honor, you know. So for us now, when these things start crashing in on us, we are not used to taking medication, seeing therapists and all the things. This is new to this generation, but it is, well, if I had I a nickel for every female friend who's told me she's anxious, I'd be rich. Our, our um, grief gets passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Now, do you and mean so that genetically or uh, generationally? It, 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 it happens... In, they they can trace it in our genes, yes, and we, so so unprocessed pain gets visited and visited, and we it's not like anybody's trying to put it on the next generation, but and and everybody gives millennials such a hard damn time, but they're carrying like yeah. Thankfully, they're getting some help, but also the family's more splintered than ever. The social mm-hmm. connections are more splintered than ever. We live in a more disconnected, the most disconnected, connected time in history. Yeah. yeah. So they're carrying their own burdens, right? Mm-hmm. But we'll just stick Well, to and ours. we inflicted some of those on them because we knew- Absolutely. You get to 50 and start needing therapy, you'll take little Johnny for therapy early to make sure he don't get as screwed up as you are. <laughs> I mean, it will happen. You know, you yeah, don't. Part of it is it's just part of the process. We don't get to, um, it's not like we can circumvent it. And even the mamas that are like, that just, you know, whatever we think of as the ideal parents and they, and they do all the things, whatever it is that we might chide ourselves that we didn't do right or wish we would have done better. No child comes out unscathed. No child comes out without grief. No adult Mm. comes out without grief. It's not the idea of, hey, let's all avoid grief so we can be whatever form of perfect we're thinking, you know, whatever ideal version we've got in our minds. How about we learn to process it and be with one another in such a way that we're just out there doing all the good and all the wonderful things in the world. And we're with one another in our suffering and we're carrying the burdens because not one of us can stop the wars. Not one of us can stop the drug epidemic. Not one of us can. But what if we knew how to be with the mom whose son is drug addicted, where mm-hmm. she didn't have to feel ashamed, especially like in the church? What it, what would it look like if we were just with ourselves in such a way that we knew how to be with others? And, and people got that kind of love and support that we all deeply long for, desire, and I'm going to say need. We all need it. All mm. of us. Gosh, this is some good stuff. Okay, two things. 
is that all number one on how to accept your reality? Because <laughs> that my numbering, I, you know, when I go to church, I need the one, two, three. Is that one? <laughs> I, you know, I'm not a preacher. I am. If I was a preacher, you almost I'm not were. the one that's, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm not even the one, two, three, although that's really useful for the brain and hanging things. I am going to say number one is that, that we find acceptance and belonging. Um, mm-hmm. As a believer, I, I think of that as partnering with Jesus and his mm-hmm. unconditional love toward me so that I can partner with Jesus in the unconditional of love toward others so that I can be an agent of healing and goodness in this world. I think that's what it means to bring the kingdom of God here. Mm-hmm. Let's right. be the people that experience love, give love and bring love. Okay. Those so. are three points. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Lisa Michelle, I think you might have been an aisle runner if you were a preacher instead of a lectern three point girl. I can see it now. Pew jumping, all of it. Okay. What I'm hearing you to say, and I want to know, Christine, if this is what you're hearing, is that we need to spend less time trying to avoid pain, especially when we're raising our children, and more time studying how you deal with pain and grief and teaching our children to deal with pain and grief. Is that, mm-hmm. Christine, is that what you got? Cause I wasn't yeah, teaching Ethan I, how to deal I with did. pain. I was up there trying to put bumper guards around him. Well, it, I mean, exactly. And it, how many times have our children suffered with grief at some point in their lives? I mean, I look at my son, you know, he didn't have a dad in the home. I look at, you know, there's a loss there. And and whether, I mean, his dad's in his life, but whether we want to see that as loss, it's a loss. There's a loss there. Sometimes when we my don't want to call it a loss, a loss because there. that inflicts some right. guilt on us and we want to pretend like right. it's okay. Right. Right. Damn, we're messed up. We don't up. want to go through our own pain of exactly. causing pain to our kids. So exactly. we minimize their pain and we're all living together, pushing it down and we're suffering silently alone. Right. Right. And, and I want to say another way we do it to our kids. And this is, I, ladies, I learned all this post-parenting. Mm, so me look, too. Don't we learn a lot of afterwards? The, the, uh, uh, yeah, after. <laughs> like, we need a book for, for the, the younger generation that says this is the guide that we need when our children are suffering loss. And it could be loss of everything. Because my husband has a really hard time. He has a really hard time understanding why this generation is so driven with angst and driven with If we took grief. responsibility for what we've done, which mm-hmm. requires us to be in pain, right. then we would be so much more compassionate to this generation exactly. we would be taking responsibility for our part in it. Oh, we absolutely. We protect ourselves from pain, judge them. Judgment feels like protection, ladies. It does. Mm-hmm. So we judge ourselves and we judge each other. It is the antithesis to healing. And mm. I think... Just, I'm going to tell you what I think about the church. I think one of the reasons the church doesn't know how to be with the hurting and spend so much time judging is because of this paradigm of trying to protect ourselves from pain. But we mm. just got done celebrating Easter it's Sunday. Like we think and it's going to splash on us. Lots of pain. Yeah, Aww. it's going to, if we get near someone in pain, it's as if we're going to catch it. It's going to splash on us. And we've already caught it. That's the funniest thing. We're all in pain. We're still trying to anesthetize ourselves and pretend we're not hurting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if we get in touch with our pain, it doesn't swallow us. It helps make us whole. 
It's like we're trying to hold it and keep it small. Meanwhile, we're in a cage to it. Mm. So you're saying that addressing the pain is the way out of the pain, not avoiding it. Yes. Yes. She's jumping around for our audience. Yep. She's lost her mind <laughs> in physical, um, f- physical. Exuberance over, yeah. Gail, every time you go and summarize something in this whole thing, and you can go back and listen to the wisdom that you've been dropping on us because you keep crystallizing it and saying, wait, so you're mm-hmm. telling me to the way to deal with pain is to go through it. Yes. That's the way my brain has to work. Like I have to be able to wrap it up in a bow. That's why I wind up interrupting our guest and asking for clarity. Every time you hear me not say a word after you, it's because I'm cheering silently because you're saying it. Well, you know, Christina and I really are trying to do the work here, not just for Mm -hmm. ourselves, but for other midlife women. And we think. And you are. That there's conversations that take place here on Midlife Moxie that truly aren't happening other places, or at least they weren't making their way to us. And And I just don't think you can. Life-giving. I agree. It goes back to what you said earlier. I think you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. And we've got to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that some of this shit is heavy. It does not feel good when your kids aren't living the life you want them to live. It does not feel good when your retirement doesn't look like you expected that you realize you got to go to the, um, you know, the Walmart brand of Shady Acres and not the Nima Marcus Shady Acres, you know, these kind of things hurt. And I think we- Or you're at that place where you don't even know if one of your kids would be willing to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm clear. Those jokers ain't going to take care of me. Oh. (laughs) I have sons. I- and I have, uh, my my son is he's he's taking care of his mama. He's not my, married I, yet, Christina. So you just better hush your mouth because that can change it all. Oh no, she knows. She already knows. She Listen, yeah, we're wait taking till care she gets of her my mom. Forks in his little body. <laughs> She'll be taking care of her that mama. Thing. That's one of the areas, right? Like our we we've been thinking about who the little gals our sons are going to marry, or mm-hmm. you, you know whatever it is. Like I. I've got one son who's more introverted and I asked him, well, do you think, you know, the gal he's going to marry, I, do you think she's going to like me? And he's all, well, I mean, naturally no, but I'm sure it'll work out. Oh, <laughs> those little turds. You know, I'm hearing you talk about this. It's becoming crystal clear. We have created this dynamic because we, let's be honest, women, we have sat around and talked about the woman whose children have not behaved well. Mm. We've done it. And Mm. that's a way we protect ourselves from our pain. Remember judgment, always trying Mm -hmm. to protect. It's a, it's a form. It's armor. Judgment Mm. is armor. So then when our children don't act right, we're embarrassed. We don't want to be judged. We don't want them to be judged. And we're carrying around this shame. If we just back up the truck and we always lived honestly, and authentically from the time our babies were little to the time we started our life, if this became the norm, how much could we, how much could we correct? How much could we now get right? And how much better could we live in community with other people? Because we have set up hearing you talk and I'm sitting here thinking about, I'm just smacked in the face with how many of these dynamics we have set up. We've wanted everybody to believe we had the perfect marriage. So now how we can go tell people it's not right. Like, Sorry, Gail, I, but like no. the littlest things, Johnny comes home 
Well, let's say, let's say Jeanette comes home. I, no, maybe Johnny comes home. He's upset. He's stomping around. And what's wrong, Johnny? And Billy said whatever. And, and then we want to take it away. Well, you know, you've got Ethan in the neighborhood and you've got this and you've got that. And, but that, so Johnny learns you just distract from your pain. Do you know how t- yeah. many times Johnny's mama wanted to go over there and beat the heck out of, <laughs> little Absolutely. Billy. I mean, yeah, y'all. I did one time. Oh, I just, I just do. When my child was in <laughs> kindergarten, is, my child need, was sweet. Need, my oldest was we very need sweet. Johnny to know that hurting is okay. That mm-hmm. we oh, and we just we start helping them label their feelings. That you're you're sad that your buddy Billy was mean to you. You're whatever it is. They so you're saying back. we shouldn't go kill Billy. Down. We should not kill Billy. We should teach Johnny. We shouldn't try to stop Johnny's pain. We should teach him to handle his pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, he will naturally do it often if it's just acknowledged. If we slow down enough to acknowledge it instead of trying to take it away. Okay. Then, then yeah. Johnny learns over a lifetime. Now, I'm not saying we're going to make it where anybody's not experiencing, you know, just the pain of being a human and going through a process of growth. There's still a process of growth that we all go through. And we don't circumvent it. But we can be with it so much more productively if we just stop trying to avert the pain and recognize it's, it's a part of life. Mm. Wow, that seemed we've gotten to through like question number 0.5. That's about how far we've got on our list today. Because we're already an hour and I'm like, we just got st- we just identified the problem. How are we gonna fix it? So Lisa, you know what this means. Episode gotta come back. Girl. Third time. She's back. back. <laughs> yeah. We want the world to know. You know, I um, do it on purpose. I'm is like, that what happens how do I here? do it to ensure an invite? <laughs> well, we want to make sure too that we have, we're planning our first live encounter for Midlife Moxie in the fall, and we really hope you're going to be there. That's I think you plan. have to be there. So, but I want to let Christina. T- we had a question number five, and I think we cannot end without addressing that. Mm. And Christina put it on the list. I mm. want her to get to ask it because, and we're, and I want to surrounded by we're talking about midlife women and the situation we've created. Mm. So how can we help others go through this in during this season? You know, know what's, what are some practical things? Because here's the deal, Lisa, we've talked about loss when it comes to a parent or somebody close to you, but loss of change, um, jobs, uh, friends, We've talked about how we got children. Here. Now, how do we fix it? Yeah. Now, how do we fix it? So as a how, community, how can we help others? As a collective, as, as a midlife women. The, I, I think um, we really came to something together in this dynamic, and that's to not try to take it away, mm. not try to fix it, not try to intellectualize it or explain it. Just be with a woman and be with her. Be with the woman. Don't be with the problem. Join yourself to the person in front of you. Mm. That You said a lot mm. in that good long sentence. Don't try to take it away. Don't try to fix it. Mm-hmm. Don't try to analyze or explain it. Just you know, I think it. sometimes we be just need to, we need to just shut up. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, let the silence do the heavy, heavy lifting. You know Our what discomfort happens? makes us babble on inside things that are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we can even name it and say, hey, I'm uncomfortable, so I'm tempted to blabber, but I'd love to sit here just silently with you for a little bit. You know, we've heard people have gone through extreme matters of grief, like loss of husbands, say, like you say, how powerful it was for somebody to just come and sit with them and not say a thing, mm-hmm. just be present, mm-hmm. be in it mm-hmm. with them, to sit in the sadness of the moment with them. Whereas we want to fit, I, I'm guilty. I want to fix it, change it, explain it. I, I, I've been guilty because that's my nature as an Enneagram, I just to fix things. So I'm trying to learn this, just be with her. Okay. Let me add a second part to the question. And this is even on one of your other podcasts with the woman who lost her husband. And that Mm -hmm. one's amazing. And I just recommend it to everyone um, listening if you haven't heard it. That's Heidi Dunstan's episode. uh, You can do things that you're comfortable with. Like, Gail, may I rub your feet? I give a really great foot massage. Can we sit here in silence? And I would love to rub your feet. Mm. Well, like my friend, I keep, she wants to go to the beach and she's agreed that would be nice. So that's something I want to do for her. That's something I'm gifted at. I'm yeah. gifted going to the beach. Yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to take her to the beach and let her get away yes. and let her just sit in. I want to sit in her grief with her at the beach and encourage her. So quickly, just one second part to that. How do we create communities with this kind of, uh, with open dialogue where we don't have to be ashamed to tell the truth and be authentic? Um, get comfortable asking for what we want before the crisis occurs, like build your support system before you're in crisis. Mm. There it is again, Gail, ask for what you want. That's the second time today. Second time. I think we just, I think we just need to do that. And we need to not be afraid of doing that either. And obviously, right, Lisa, Michelle, you're saying, do it with people that you trust. The, exactly. The, the people that are in your amen corner, the people that like want the best for you. And sometimes, and I'm just going to throw it out there, not that this is my case, but sometimes your family isn't the best Absolutely. place for that. 100%. Sometimes because well, they, you know, the one thing about family, and this is this is true of all of us, we think we know each other because we're family. Right, right. And because of that very thing, we don't make room for the fact that we are all such dynamic individuals that you don't know the same Lisa that existed yesterday. Right. But family thinks they've, that family's got you oftentimes, unless family's done a lot of work, they've got you more stuck in an idea of how they see yes. you that it keeps it. It, it makes it very hard for you to evolve. That is so space. true. I feel yes. like my biological family does not know me as the same person as people like you and people that are my yes. long-term friends know me. That would mm-hmm. be describing two very different people. But Absolutely. also, you know, something you said earlier and our last guest said about that genetic cellular component. If mm. you're in the family are carrying on some of the same abuse, the same griefs, then you may not be the best resource for one another. You may need outsiders <laughs> with fresh perspective to help you work through your own. <clears throat> well, here's and what you I want to say Gail, about that is we carry it differently. <clears throat> so we might be carrying the same generational pain, trauma, grief, but because yours and mine looks differently, like say we're siblings, we don't recognize mm-hmm. that we're both carrying pain. You know, you my brother and I have had more open. Yeah, we, yeah, my brother and I have never yeah. been close growing up. We were so just 
oppositionally different than each other in our makeup. But as we've gotten into our fifties, we really have both. I'm going to, I might get a little teary out about this because it's been a sweet, sweet turn of events. Losing my mom and having some issues with my dad have caused us to seek out each other more and to share more of our heart rather than our exterior that we had been putting forth to protect. And and from what where we saw danger, and it was sad to see danger in a sibling or that that person might hurt you, but sharing our own pains about our childhood, our own grief, our own things has definitely forged like a new little like connection point, like a new little roadway that we're exploring. And it's been, it's been really, really sweet. And it, the walls now, are coming down a little bit more and more each time. And I think we can do that with all people. But honestly, it does take honesty because I feel like a lot of what's going on with us took one time of me, not in an argument, not in a time of heightened emotion, not out of spite or fear or anger, but to look at that person and say something very truthful, that was very honest, but without malice. And that was heard in a way that all the other things had not been heard and has set forth this new thing. Go ahead, Christina. Well, do you feel like, I mean, and I don't know because I don't know your brother, but do you feel like it's because he was willing to do work on himself too? I don't know if he has, but you know, it's hard. I think it's everything. I think it's everything. I think too, as your parents pass, there's realization, you know, it's we're, we're the only siblings. That's all you've got in this connectedness. But, <clears throat> realizing you have a shared pain, even though if it's not been seen the same. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that connects us as people, shared pain. That's the one good thing about pain. It connects us like no other emotion. Stronger than love. Lisa's over here giving us the amen. So if we're never sharing our pain and we're never transparent about mm-hmm. our pain, then how do we have that connection with others? Because I assume you don't have the pain if you don't ever talk about it or you're authentic about it. So. Mm. Let's be committed women, ladies, midlife moxie girls, anyone listening, to provide the spaces, to be that one that will first get up the courage to step out and say, I need to let y'all know I'm hurting right now. This is why I'm hurting. It may sound petty to you, but it's real to me. And I need you to know that. It's a, it, this, this right here is a source of great pain for me. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to share that openly. It doesn't make me any less strong, but I'm open to hearing any of your pains and quit judging each other. Now, let me be clear. I cannot stand painful Patty that's always in pain or whining Wanda. That's not what we're talking about. You cannot let the pain become your identity. Yes. Lisa's laughing. Christina's about to fall out of her chair. But I really <laughs> believe that we cannot let that consume us and become our identity. That's just as right. dangerous, right? Well, Gail, that comes from that dynamic of how you're describing painful Patty or whiny Wanda. That woman's not present to her own pain. So That's she's right. putting it all out there so somebody else will fix it. So, so all that tells you is she's talking about something that she's actually not grieving herself within. Mm. And and she's doing, she, I want to be real gentle with you, whiny, wander, painful, Patty, if you recognize yourself in that. It just means you didn't know how to honor your own pain. And you, and we have been taught, you know, just such a simple saying, you make me so angry. We've actually been taught that others make us angry. If they make us angry, they also bring us the kind of peace we want. No and no, I feel very angry. 
That's very different. And if you're dragging mm-hmm. it around that long, that it's become your identity, it's not been dealt with. It's not dealt Absolutely. with in any way. And Absolutely. We got to share it, not spew it. How about that? That's and it. it. And it is spewed when it's unhealed. That's how you mm-hmm. can tell the difference. Mm. That's it. something that's been pushed down. It kind of explodes out. It's not a gentle. And one of the things, just as far as creating community and what you're saying, Gail, sometimes it's re- what you were saying about creating community, Christina, what you were just now saying, Gail, sometimes when we want to share our pain, we can actually say, I'm going to be raw with you. I'm just going to tell you my truth. And right now, I if we can ask permission, may I have 10 un- uninterrupted moments? And I'm actually asking you to just be with me and hold it and not give a response today. Mm, mm, that's good. Like, like we can literally, and then afterwards say, I'll do the same for you if you would like, right? But we I want to say something else to Patty and up. Wanda. Okay. You're more than the pain you're carrying around. If you've allowed that Amen. to become your identity, you are more than that. And you deserve more than that. And you can be more mm-hmm. than that. And you, you don't label yourself that. So while we're saying share it, deal with it, bring it to light, we're not saying to let it be all that you are. So yes. we're over our time again. But oh my gosh, well, she's coming back. So rich, Lisa Michelle. (laughs) I always just sit in sit in awe of your wisdom. As you were speaking earlier, I thought I witnessed this woman is a portal to a greater, wiser power. Like I felt like, you know, I'm a believer, so for me it would be God and Jesus. Others Mm -hmm. would say other things, but I thought she is truly being used Mm -hmm. as a vessel and a porter because this kind of wisdom, as smart and wonderful as you are, is not of human making. And I, I just see you and I watch you. I, I see how seriously you take it. You close your eyes. You feel it. You you process it. I know how you deal with other people in our world. I've seen you in group settings. It, it's just, I'm always in awe and I want you to know that. Uh, it just mm. It just, again, makes me a little bit teary because it's, like, I, I feel like I could just spend so much time with you and I would never leave without something amazing. So I want you to know mm-hmm. that. And that's part of the reason we keep having you back. It's, it's, it's unending. So you're mm-hmm. a regular. <laughs> I would say thank you. And the reason I, I love grief is because I didn't, I wasn't this woman. I was a woman who did a lot. I was smart and all these things. And I hid behind my own intelligence. And I tried to intellectualize things away. And the ones I did it the most to are my children. Mm. And I've given them the most apology I know to give them. And then I grieve the loss of what I can't, I can't take that. I can't take the pain that I actually caused away. Um, And so Mm. it's super humbling to hear that now. And that's what I'm like, well, my grief brought me this. Lisa Michelle has always been, uh, Somebody, you know, if you guys follow her on Clubhouse, I just have to say this. She holds space for people, her and Michelle, her friend Michelle. They they both hold space for each other and they hold space for the community. And I have to tell you, one, the, the one time that I, you know, was in your guys' room and you held space for me, I will never forget that. You know, it's it's those little God winks that I absolutely... Um, love because I could pick up the phone and I know Gail could pick up the phone at any time and we could say, Hey, I we have. need you. <laughs> yeah. We, we need you. 
you know, and, and she would be like, I can hold space for you. And, you know, I think that, um, as a midlife woman, I think that that speaks volumes to me. I know it does to Gail when, when we can do that for one another, because, you know, that's part of the beauty of midlife as space for you from children and soccer games. Right. Let's use that space for people. Mm -hmm. Let's use that space for Absolutely. What we may have not had time before. Now, if you're covered up taking care of aging parents, you, that's using your space for people. But if you've got yeah. extra space, give it to some people, you know, take the long lunch. But mm-hmm. we love you. We appreciate you, Lisa Michelle. Feel blessed to know you and can't wait till next time. But until then, Christina, what do we always say? Go and get your moxie on. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.